You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Welcome to Courage to Overcome with your host, Cheryl Jennings. Each week, Cheryl will feature and discuss the many challenges of those living with disabilities, along with the various issues that are faced by their families that are caring for them. So now, please welcome the host of Courage to Overcome, Cheryl Jennings. Welcome to tonight's program. This is Cheryl Jennings, your host for Courage to Overcome. And I am just delighted to have you listening in tonight as we will be talking about another issue that is front and center in our nation and probably globally. It's an issue. But my guest is going to help us talk about some of the things that have gone wrong in our society that have caused suicides and bullying, and we're going to just open up a lot of conversation tonight. But before we get in it, I just want to tell you how much I enjoy having you tune in to the program. I try to provide some information that will help your family to face some of the challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis. If it is trying to find the courage to be a parent of a child that has special needs, or if you are the spouse of a wounded warrior or a soldier who's come back from, with PTSD, we've talked about how that impacts the whole family and causes what they call secondary PTSD with the rest of the family. We've also talked to families who have terminal illnesses that their loved ones are facing. And we've talked about how we need the courage to face the fact that we are caregiving our parents. And sometimes we need to learn better how to do that so we can take care of ourselves and not be the ones that pass away before the one we're caring for. And we know that these are all issues that everybody's getting focused on. We've talked about nutrition and how it impacts our lives. We've talked about so many different issues about autism and we've had some wonderful guests trying to help us understand better some of the things that we can do as parents to try to be able to be the partner with our child with the teachers that are trying to help our children partner with the doctors who are trying to do the best they can in giving us diagnosis and then help us in treatment. There are all kinds of ways that we need to have courage in life. And don't think because your your life is hard that you're different because you are in good company. I just was answering a question a while ago on a site on the uh, called Quora, and they were asking what kind of things should children learn before they leave home so that they will be happier as adults. And I do think that we need to remember that we need to teach our children not to expect uh, 
that life will be fair or that life will be easy because it isn't. And we need to prepare them as they are growing up to learn how to make decisions, how to handle conflicts and be able to learn how to make good choices in life. Because if they don't, they will be crippled and not be able to really be happy people because they won't know what to do when things get hard. And we see that happening sometimes in schools when parents jump up and run to the schools, they're mad at the teachers, they're mad at other people because their child gets in trouble for misbehaving. Well, we need to teach our own children how to be better prepared as adults. And some of the problems that we've talked about on here come about because kids have a lot of issues and they don't know how to handle it. We've talked about some of those things that happen at schools and we're going to talk about that again tonight as something in a different perspective. And I just, I love the fact that we can be open, we can share some of the issues that are big problems in life and be able to find some answers by talking out loud about it. I've mentioned before that some some of the problems that people face are harder because they don't talk to other people and they don't share that life is hard for them. If they're a caregiver, they're afraid to say, I've had a hard day because the ones that hear that might think, oh, well, you don't love your parent or you don't love your child or you don't love your spouse. When that's not at all what they meant, they just meant I had a really hard day and I don't know how to handle some of the issues that this situation is bringing into my life. But when we can be open and talk about some of the issues, especially centered around behavior of children that have special needs or around parents who have uh, memory issues that we can find out that other people are struggling too. And together, I think we can come up with better answers than we would ever be able to come up with on our own. But tonight, I have a lady that I have met online, and I saw that she was going around and talking to a lot of other people about the problem that we have of suicide. And so I asked her, would she like to be on the program to be able to share with us some of the information that she is sharing with audiences? And it is my privilege to be able to have Tracy Mayfield here tonight. And I hope that uh, you will feel free to call in and to ask questions. And if you want to do that, our number here is 866 Four five one, one four five one, and once again, that's eight six six, four five one. One four five one, And I do want to say that if you do have questions that you want to write in and ask about, that I will answer questions as long as I can. And my uh, email address is talkwithcheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L-G, at gmail.com. And I'll be giving you other ways that we can keep in touch. But I do really respect you as an audience of having issues that you would like to have someone that you can talk to. And it's not going to be judging you about having an issue that you just need some help with. So tonight, let's go ahead and get into being able to have, introduce Tracy. Tracy, are you here? Would you, we'd like to welcome you on our program. I'm here, and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very honored to be on your show. Well, thank you, and we appreciate you taking time to be on here with us. 
And I know that you're an expert in trying to help families and schools. And even you've gone in other countries talking about some of the issues connected to the suicides and bullying bullying practice that we seem to have that's even more prevalent, I think, because maybe social media has added to that. I don't know. I'll let you tell us a little bit about yourself to start with and tell us how you got into this. Okay, well, um, I am a nurse for over 36 years, originally born in Wales in the United Kingdom, and I moved to Canada in 1987. I was already a nurse at that time. Um, Unfortunately, my my childhood was very difficult. I was born into a very dysfunctional and abusive family. And from the age of two, always wanted to be a nurse. That was my mission in life. Um, from the age of five, always wanted to come to the United States. And having those two goals, although obviously at that age, I didn't realize they were goals, but they just kind of kept me going through the really hard times, knowing that, you know, when it was legal, I could leave home and I could go and be a nurse. And then when I was able, I could move to the States. When I qualified as a nurse, I found out it was a little bit more challenging to come to the States. However, uh, Britain is part of the Commonwealth nation and Canada is too. And so it was easier for me to come to Canada and sit my Canadian equivalency exams and then start working in Canada, which I did. And I've been here ever since. Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, And so primarily my focus and what I trained in my specialities was palliative care, gerontology and dementia care. And that's something that I even started when I was back in Britain. Um, Throughout my time in Canada, I got married and I actually experienced my first depressive episode when I was in my mid to late 20s. Um, at that time, um, just with medication and counseling, it resolved reasonably quickly and I thought everything was fine and life went on until about 13 years later and then number of stresses in my life and I had another depressive episode. And at that time, a visit to the psychiatrist, he said he felt there was a, a genetic component to my depression. And that in all likelihood, I would experience ongoing episodes maybe every 10 to 15 years is what research indicates. But I should stay on a low dose antidepressant to help me through the very stressful times. And so life carried on. Um, And then around 2012 is when things started to change. My then husband and I um, went unfortunately not able to have children and so our dogs were our children and one of our dogs became very ill and died within four days and at that time I felt there was a big change inside me something I likened it in my book to a light switch being turned off and I felt I couldn't grieve um, properly and I started to withdraw and that continued to escalate um, That happened in the October. In the February, my husband and I separated. And at that point, things started to fall apart dramatically. I was also working in a new position. Um, 
as a nurse and it was an extremely stressful position with lots and lots of pressures and I was working for a superior who, for want of a better word, was a workplace bully. And so I was also dealing with the bullying and harassment and the intimidations and the pressures. Um, And so in 2013, I ended up filing for divorce, moving out into my own place and kind of threw myself into work as um, something to pass my time, but I was also dealing with all the workplace stresses and the bullying continued to escalate. Um, Fast forward to August 2015, where it had become so bad, um, it was just consistent. I had been ill with two episodes of pneumonia, and I had never been ill before, and I had two episodes back to back, and at that point I knew the stress was getting to me, and I was probably experiencing burnout. And everything culminated with a meeting at work where um, my superior was less than kind. And what transpired was one and a half hours of just horrendous lies and false allegations and victimization and just character uh, assassination. It was just horrible. And I went home. It was a Thursday afternoon. I went home from work. I was I was just crying my eyes out. I went to bed. I just felt so numb because I kind of felt like my my world had caved in. And when I woke up the next morning, I couldn't move. And I thought maybe in the night I'd had a stroke. And when I finally did get up, I was crawling. And it was like someone had come during the night and poured cement over me. And I was in a bodysuit of cement. Um... So on the Friday, it was just crying, tears, darkness, hopelessness. I can't go on. What's happening to me? Tremendous joint, muscle, bone pain. Um, and then on the Saturday, I counted out 44 pills and picked up a pill with a glass of water, um, ready to take it. And uh, out of nowhere, a whisper came into my ear and said, run. And I ran. And it was at that point that I realized I was in deep trouble and I needed to see my doctor. And my doctor um, told me that I had an acute depressive episode, which in layman's terms would be something similar to a massive nervous breakdown. Um, And so as I dealt with the depression and the very, very strong suicide ideation, um, it, it was Unlike the other episodes of depression I had, and it was so difficult trying to come to terms with it to make sense of what was going on, because aside from the cognitive and emotional, there was so much physical pain and things that were happening. Wow. Um, encouraged by my, encouraged just, by my psychologist. Sorry, go on. I well, I was to just going to say, it, I was just going to say that you have gone through an awful lot. And I'm sorry, we need to stop and take a break. And uh, when we come back, I'll let you continue this uh, story, okay? So we'll be back in just a moment. 
Joseph A. Moylan is the owner of Ion Health, which specializes in very unique medical devices. Ion Health offers biomats, alkalife, and frequency machines. Biomats are a far infrared and negative ion emitting FDA approved medical device. With many different sizes available, you can place them on your bed, on a massage table, or on a seat in your car. It is an unobtrusive way to health. Alkalife machines are water ionizers that cleanse and raise the alkalinity of your tap water, making high alkaline water. Frequency machines utilize certain frequencies to kill viruses and bacteria. These devices are safe and effective. Coming from a health-conscious background and studying physiology at the Academy of Natural Health, Joseph A. Moylan has 15 years of experience in the health field and wants to help you live a healthy, long life. Visit www.ionhealthbiomats.weebly.com or call 765-520-2988. Don't let your health go astray. Get in touch today. All right. Well, tonight we are uh, learning a little bit about Tracy and some of the things that she's gone through that's going to help her be so understanding and ready to talk to other people about depression, suicides, bullying. And, you know, there are we've talked about bullying uh, connected to uh, schools, but it does happen in the workplace too. And this is something that a lot of times parents or adults don't really expect to have to confront, but they do. So it's good to learn how we're going to be able to handle some of these. If you have a question and you'd like to call in, our number here is 866 451 1451 and we'd be glad to have you ask a question of our guest and I do want to just tell you that uh, we love being able to learn from our guest and so Tracy go ahead and let's let you continue telling us how you got to the point you could actually help other people so about a year into the depression my psychologist um, suggested that I start writing a blog um, to let people know what it was like because as most people who are listening um, will know, when you have a mental illness, especially something like depression, they call it an invisible illness because people do not see that anything is wrong. It, to all intents and purposes, you look and act normal. And so when I would meet people, um, I would get comments like, um, well, you can't have depression, you look too good, or you must have the mild form. And I was getting very frustrated. And so we started the blog. I was very, very honest. And I just told them about my suicide attempts, about how it felt like to have depression. And almost immediately, everyone kept coming back, contacting me, saying, you need to put this in a book. We didn't realize this about depression. And so after about six months, I had had so many different people, many of them healthcare professionals, saying, really, you need to put this in a book that I explored that option. And um, it was actually via LinkedIn. I connected with a lady in Montreal who had published many books. I asked her to read my blog to see if it was actually book worthy. And she took a look and within a couple of hours contacted me and said, I found you an editor. And so there began the book. Um, and so my book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, My Journey Through Depression, was written um, primarily for anyone who has gone through depression or is going through depression to know that they're not alone and what they're going through is actually normal, as horrible as it is, and that there's light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. 
they will get through it. It was also for friends and family members and caregivers of someone that was experiencing a depression to understand what life is like for that person and that they're not being lazy or difficult or um, not social. Um, it's, everything is happening for a reason and it just gives them some strategies that they can be a little bit more supportive and understanding. And so the book was released actually a year ago in February um, 2018 and the official book release party was April 13th in 2018. And at that time I was approached to go and speak to a local school because there were at that point, they thought three students in the class that seemed to be going through maybe some bullying or depression. And they thought if I came over and talked about my book, it may help them. And when I went over to the class and started talking, I had uh, in my book, there were a number of black and white illustrations and people can find them on, on my website. And that. They're just really simple illustrations that convey how I was feeling one day when words weren't necessary. So it could be a, a black stick figure with no particular gender throwing arms up in the air with an enormous black cloud chasing, kind of suffocating and trap the figure. And I had put them all on display by the easel and immediately I could hear them all, all the teenagers start talking. Um, and they, I could hear words like, that's me, that's how I feel like. Oh, that looks like how my mum is. And all of a sudden, um, everyone in the classroom started talking about their experiences with different mental illnesses. And it was not just three of them that were going through something, it was all of them. And um, it was actually quite eye-opening because you know at age 15 you think they're planning for college and you know being kids and prom and I couldn't believe there was just so many of them telling me they had anxiety um, there was one girl who whispered in my ear that she had just been discharged from hospital after her second suicide attempt um, there were lots of um, teenagers there with depression and cutting themselves and it was just mind-blowing because every single one of them was touched in some way by suicide or mental illness. And the following week, I was asked to return to do an all-day human library. And they'd asked me to actually come and talk about being a first-time author and publisher. And the kids had to sign up in advance. And so we had grades, um, I think it was nine through 11 and they would uh, sign up and it would be six to eight of them at a time every 30 minutes would come and sit at a, at a table and there were lots of people there all of different occupations to talk and when they sat at my table I started talking about how to be an author and they were kind of getting restless and looking at each other and when I asked them to tell me the reason why they signed up, they said, you're the lady that escaped the rabbit hole. We need to know how you did it. And so began every 30 minutes, I would get groups and groups of teenagers coming to talk about how could they deal or help someone who had a mental illness or was feeling suicidal. And 
after I would give each little talk and presentation, lots of them would remain behind after to come and confide in me. And it ended up I had 63 teenagers, ages 11 to 15, come and tell me what they were going through. And it absolutely broke my heart. I drove home and I cried all the way. Um, And when I did some research, I realized that we have a huge global epidemic, not just in the States, but Australia, Canada and the United Kingdom are going through the same thing. We have a global epidemic with children who are being bullied, who have mental illness and who are suicidal and actually committing suicide. And it was at that point I decided to change my, my platform to focus on children and teenagers with mental illness and what I could do to help not only support them, but start educating people and advocating to implement change. Well, this has just been uh, fascinating how you got to this point. I want to stop for just a second and give a little bit of statistics about this, if you don't mind. Because suicide is the third leading cause of death among young people, and that's about 4,400 deaths per year, according to the number of suicides. And there's at least 100 suicide attempts uh, for everyone that does commit suicide. 14% of high school students have considered suicide and almost 7% of our students have attempted it. If you're bullied, you're between two and nine times as likely to consider suicide as Mm non-victims. And that's according to Yale University. And a study in Britain found that at least half of the suicides among young people are related to bullying. And then 10 to 12, I mean, 10 to 14 year old girls may be at the highest risk for suicide, according to that study. I mean, this is incredible. And it's just really something that needs to be addressed. And there are so many times when kids are having a hard time in this age group that everybody just kind of throws it off and says, well, it's just part of being a kid. You're going to have problems, and they don't really take it serious. But I think what you're doing is trying to help open the eyes of people to understand that when a child acts in a certain way, and maybe you can give some tips about that, but if they're acting in a certain way, that it could be that they're giving you the hint that they're thinking about this and might be planning it. One of the young girls that I that is only 15 here had five of her friends that committed suicide in one year. I mean, we've got to think about, you know, what does that mean for our kids? So go ahead. Absolutely. So, I mean, just like you, I give, I give the hard facts. And so, fact, every single day in the United States, 16 teenagers die by suicide. That's a fact. And tomorrow there'll be another 16, and the day after that there'll be another 16. What people are not realizing is 16 teenagers will die today, but 3,041 students in grades 9 through 12 will attempt suicide today. That's 3,041 students just in grades 9 through 12 they haven't even had time yet to start research on grades eight and lower 
but they're estimating we could add another thousand to that. So we're looking at over 4,000 students every single day in the United States feel that their life is so hopeless and not worth living that they are prepared to die. And to me, that is not only heartbreaking, but that is shocking beyond words because something has happened to our kids. We now have children as young as nine committing suicide. In fact, there was an incident of a six-year-old in the States who committed suicide about three weeks ago, six years old. And it was... And it was due to volume. You know, those are just shocking numbers. And those are people. Those are real people. And so it's something that I hope people are really listening to so that they can take advantage of learning from you tonight. Uh, We're glad to have Tracy on tonight. We're going to go to our second break. And I appreciate our audience just bearing with us and listening while she has something that she can share. We'll be back in just a moment. Renaissance woman, trailblazer, maverick. Those are just some of the words to describe to Chandra Poulard, owner and CEO of House of Virgo Entertainment, LLC, a woman minority veteran-owned entertainment company based in Washington, D.C. Ms. Poulard served 10 years honorably in the United States Navy and departed from active duty to pursue her dreams of becoming an entertainment mogul. House of Virgo Entertainment offers script writing, producing, directing, DJ services, editing, and more. They cater to businesses, corporations, college students, working professionals, aspiring artists, and nonprofit organizations, and employ veterans of the armed forces. Tashandra Poulard is pioneering the way we view media and taking her brand global. Visit her at www.houseofvirgoentertainment.com or call 281-515-3740 and like her on Facebook at House of Virgo Entertainment, LLC. All right. This has really been interesting, and uh, we have really learned a lot. And she's led us up to the point now that I would love for, uh, Tracy, for you to start by telling us some of the warning signs and then be able to have time to tell us a little bit about what parents need to watch for and what they can do if they think there could be something wrong. So tell us a little bit about what parents need to watch for. I think the first thing parents need to understand is that bullying is not bullying, is not the same as bullying that happened when they were kids. Bullying has taken on a whole new form now, especially because of the intensity of social media and cyberbullying. And so please do not believe it is just the high school thug who tries to steal your lunch money or the girl who calls you nasty names. It isn't. Um, it's it's more p- um, kids that actually go in gangs and pick out certain individual students. And so one in three are bullied. One in five children have a mental illness. And so that's a large number. And for, uh, by the age of 14, 50% of all students will show signs of a mental illness. By the age of 24, 75% of all students will have shown signs and symptoms of a mental illness. So we know that 
early years, childhood, adult, um, early adulthood, and teenagers, that's the high-risk time where they're likely to develop a mental illness. Parents have to understand that your child can have depression. They can have an anxiety disorder. It is not that they're being difficult. It's not hormones. It's not acting out or attention seeking. They really need to be aware that, especially in the States, we have a huge crisis with depression amongst children and teenagers. And we're having children as young as seven that are being diagnosed with depression and suicide ideation. And so as parents or as the parental caregiver, family members and friends, I urge you, you've really got to be vigilant and you've got to know what your child is up to. And that doesn't mean snooping, but it really means checking what they're doing on social media, who their friends are, how are they acting at school? And for the parents, you really want to notice what your child is doing. What is their behavior? Have they become more sullen or withdrawn? Are they more moody? Are they not socializing as much? Are they hiding out in their room? And if they are, what are they doing? Um, Are they up at night or are they sleeping long, long periods? And what about the appetite? Changes in the appetite. Are they eating just lots of junk food or are they actually not eating anything and picking at their food? All of those little things are indicators that something is going on with your child and you really need to look into that a little bit more. Wow. So I think that that's the first important factor is really try and be connected and be in tune with your child, with your teenager. And I know it is so easy to say it's hormones because a teenager is trying to find their independence and find their own way in the world. But that's going to be compounded if they're also going through bullying or if they have a mental illness. And we're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because many of many of the children who are being bullied actually have a mental illness or the child that's being bullied may eventually develop a mental illness because of what it does to them and it creates the self-loathing and the isolation and the self-persecution and so that's why I think it is important that parents need to understand bullying is extremely serious and they cannot take it lightly and with regards to your child it's really is paying attention if they don't eat for a day or two then they just maybe not be feeling well or be having an off day but if you notice over a two-week period this seems to be a pattern if it's hot sunny weather or it's a nice day where they shouldn't go to wear a long sleeve sweater or long sleeve pants and they're doing that every day, ask yourself why because cutting has become the new epidemic amongst our teenagers. It is so out of control that they're actually setting up research projects to try and identify how we can curb this because it is something that 
so many teenagers are doing right now. And now we're finding that children as young as seven, eight, and nine are also doing the same thing. And so it's really paying attention. If you notice there's cut marks on the leg or an arm, that's the time where you really want to have to sit down with your child. And it's not a sit at the dinner table and how are you today and what are you up to? Because you're going to embarrass them and put them on the spot. It's when you need to set aside quality time one-on-one with your child, go and do a hobby, go shopping, go for a milkshake, go and throw a ball, walk the dog, do something where you can try and get on your teenager's level and have a real heart-to-heart talk about what's going on. And I think the most important rule for parents is a kid is a teenager is always going to say they're fine. You need to ask more leading questions and you need to look look into their eyes. A child with a mental illness, especially a depression or who's being bullied, they will have sad eyes. The smile does not reach the eyes. And look at their body language. Look at what they're not saying to you when you're trying to have a conversation or what they're not doing when you're in a family gathering. If if they're removing themselves from a, from a family member and get very anxious when that person comes around, ask yourself, why are they doing that? Is there abuse? Because that is a high likelihood. And so it is being a little bit more inquisitive and watching what's going on. But I think what's important with your child is to ask questions like, you know, you seem a little more sad than lately. Is everything, is everything going on okay at school? Are you finding the work is too hard? And you open the door to, to that kind of conversation. If your teenager says, I feel really sad and hopeless and I don't know why, you must believe them. I cannot stress that enough and you must validate that because if you say oh you're a kid you'll get over it or what are you depressed about come on you've got everything you've lost your child they will never confide in you again so you've really got to be more understanding and don't judge because when your teenager does open up to you that is your opportunity to help support them and start the healing Wow, that's some very good advice there. And, you know, I've I've heard uh, from some people about their kids before anything happened that sometimes they start giving things away or they're telling a family member or a friend or somebody goodbye. And it's in a different way than what they've ever said before. So these are just, I love the way you've helped parents to understand things to notice, but then how to open the conversation and not to do it at the table. Because too many times, if something said in front of other people, they would not open up at all. If that was, if there was really something going on, they wouldn't want to tell the whole world. You know, those are, and we need to watch out for medicine cabinets, you know, for as parents too, not to have, uh, prescription drugs around where 
young people could be getting into them. And if you're not at home to be able to um, get into those drugs, because that's something that makes it too easy and a temptation if somebody is depressed. And so go ahead. And what else? Go ahead. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. And I think it's because... Um, we have a new genre of teenagers right now that are very confused. They they don't really know the direction in which they go, and they have tremendous pressures at school to perform academically really, really well. And most children and teenagers want to be the pride and joy of their parents, but they are going through so much that we don't know about. Um, we've never... We've learned the basics of trying to instill good values and kindness into kids now. And even, as you mentioned at the beginning, strategies for them to manage conflict and stress and, you know, what to do when there's an exam and when they're not feeling well and when they're anxious. We need to start bringing in those basic lessons and understanding so they can help develop their own coping skills and help other people as well. Take a look at what's going on in your liquor cabinet. Lots of times, children that have an anxiety disorder or who are being bullied or depressed will start drinking alcohol because the buzz helps give them a little bit of happiness and it also gives them a little bit of confidence, except they don't understand that it takes more and more to keep that high going. And so you want to be looking at that. You also want to be very, very cognizant of what medications are in the house and what types of medication they are. I mean, if you've got pills that are sedative, um, narcotics, anything that if taken in excess could actually kill you, you really need to be putting them in a safe place. They they say that you should lock your guns away. Well, the reality is you really should lock your pills away. Because, again, kids, they'll just take a handful of pills not understanding that one of each from each bottle, they think it won't have an effect, but it could actually have a deathly effect. And so you need to look at your pills. And if you're going you know what, I just refilled this prescription last week and I'm sure I haven't taken all of these. You don't want to go and accuse your child, but you really want to sit down and have a think about, okay, what is going on with them? Check with their friends, check with the school, you know, because teachers may be saying, you know what, he's not actually coming to class or he's showing up late or when he comes, he's very quiet and he sits at the back and he's not really engaging like he used to. That's a red flag. Something is going on with your child. And that's when it's time to really spend that time and engage with your child to find out what is going on. Is it that they're being bullied? Is it because someone is abusing them? sexually, physically, socially, I mean, there's so many different levels of abuse, or is it because they are going through a mental illness and they're trying to make sense of what is happening to them because it's really scary and they don't know who to turn to. And so anything that's not the norm, not what is characteristic of what has always been your child, don't necessarily blame it. 
on hormones and being a teenager. Delve a little deeper. Wow, this is just really good advice here. And, you know, if they begin to talk about this, you know, you're right that you need to really pay attention, take it seriously and not just push it off. And, you know, as parents, they can get very involved in work and not realize what's going on at home. And I just want to say to parents, wake up. These are your kids. They won't be at home for very long, and then they'll be gone. And now is the time you want to spend with them so you don't have regrets about the time that you did not spend with them or that something happens and there is a suicide. It makes it hard for parents to ever be able to get past that. You know, I've known some parents that have had to deal with that, whether or not it was even the right uh, reason, you know, if it was intentional or not, is what I'm trying to say. But the parents never got over it, and yeah, you know, it, it is something that that we need to be um, more interested in trying to know more about our kids and who they're with and what kind of kids that they're hanging around with. We're going to need to take another break. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to be sure that Tracy gets to tell you how to get in touch with her. So when we come back, we'll do that. So stay tuned. For over 50 years, Evelyn Stapula has been a loving advocate for people with disabilities throughout the state of Pennsylvania. President and founder of Big Heart Bridges, her organization actively campaigns for legislation and support of civil liberties that meet the needs of disabled individuals with housing, transportation, and employment. Ms. Stapula has joined forces with a variety of esteemed organizations that advocate for the disabled. She serves on the board of the United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and the Governor's Cabinet and Advisory Committee for People with Disabilities, and she is a consultant for the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women. Her many efforts have led to the implementation of a transportation program for the disabled with the Access Paratransit System of Allegheny County. Evelyn Stapoulis drives daily to serve the interests of the disabled, to protect their freedoms, and enable them to live normal public lifestyles. To learn more, please call 412-491-2605 or email Evelyn at ers92645 at verizon.net. Attorney Renee Marie Smith is changing the way we sell real estate. She wrote a series of books called My Short Sale Guru Guides for all real estate practitioners. Whether you're a homeowner wanting to understand the process, an agent who has been handling short sales for years, or an industry analyst wanting to know how short sales impact your business, Renee uses her vast real estate experience to take a comprehensive look at the recent market phenomena while relaying it in an easy-to-understand format. Through her company, Smith Title Services, Renee has counseled thousands of short sale participants and processed in excess of a thousand short sales. Her knowledge is transformational for real estate professionals and laymen alike, and her live presentations provide people the opportunity to ask specific questions about their issues. Buy her books and schedule her to speak at your next event. Visit www.smithtitleservices.com or call 305-705-3428 or email her at renee at smithtitleservices.com. Isn't it time to sell your property today? Learn the My Short Sale Guru way. All right. This has just been a very interesting program tonight to be able to talk about some of the issues that really are 
they're they're sad for us to have to talk about, but yet it's a huge need to be able to address the, the ways that parents can be closer to their kids and can really try to help them realize that it could happen in their family. You need to understand how much time it takes to be with your kids for them to even trust you to talk to you about anything and to make sure you're not telling whatever they've said to you that that you can keep a confidence that your child will tell and also to be able to watch for any kind of warning signs that something's just not right and it might not be as serious as this but you don't know if you're not in tune with what's going on with your children and uh, Tracy go ahead and just kind of help parents help them know how they could reach you and tell us just you know what you need to tell us so that if they want more information they possibly would know how to reach you so certainly i mean they can always go online and the american mental health um, association has great information as does nami n-a-m-i and suicidepreventionorg and there's also lots of good bullying online resources or they can also go to my website www.tracymaxfield.com I actually have all those resources on there every single mental health resource in the states is listed on there including suicide prevention hotline numbers um, there's all my TV podcast and radio show appearances where I'm talking about this very topic, bullying, mental illness, suicide, and how it affects children and teenagers. And I also have a section on articles, and there are lots and lots of articles on children and teenagers' mental illness, suicide, and bullying. Kids read them. They love them because they can relate to them. Um, but lots of parents and teachers have found them very helpful. There are warning signs for suicide, uh, suggestions what to do if you believe your child is suicidal, if you believe they're being bullied. And there's lots of information about the different mental illnesses. That will be a good support for parents. What I urge you to do is we know everyone is really, really busy think about setting aside a date night for want of a better word with your child a special time which is just for the two of you it will be private time your teen your child must know that you believe them that you trust them and that you love them and i can't stress this enough you have got to take time out to give your kids a hug a shoulder rub, a whisper in the ear as you're ruffling their hair going, hey kiddo, I'm so proud of you. I love you to bits. You can come and talk to me about anything. They need to know they're loved. Teenagers who attempted suicide and survived when they've gone on talks to high schools, the very first thing they say is they wanted to die because they believed no one loved them. No one would miss them and no one would even know that they've gone. So you need to share that message with the kids all the time. And they'll brush you off and they'll say, oh, stop it, you're embarrassing me or don't do that. But as they walk away, trust me, inside there's that little voice that says they love me. Well, that's 
That's great. That is uh, wonderful advice because when your parents, when you know that your parents do love you, they're going to stand behind you and everything. Uh, yeah. Would you just spell out your website one time? Spell it out so that they'll know because Tracy spelled a little different with an E in it. Yeah. T-R-A-C-E-Y-M-A-X-F-I-E-L-D. Okay. And I've, I love it that you've given us so much information that is going to be available even on your site, too, because, yes. you know, that can be helpful for parents, but also for teachers. And sometimes our teachers may not be actually trained as much about some of the things that they need to know as far as warning signs might go or to be able to watch out for the behavior changes because they're so busy and, you know, it yeah. gets so hard nowadays to even keep order in a classroom sometimes. And I did a lot of substitute teaching when we were in Fort Worth and it was it's a different kind of situation for some of the ages because the kids really do have a lot of uh, power to interrupt sometimes. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I'm just saying uh, it's, it's not like it was when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but I do appreciate so many of these things that you are talking about and just one more time to say to parents be sure you put your medications away don't have them where kids are can have access to it and especially if you're not around all the time you know we have so many parents that are both working and the they could have access to anything that's in the house and like you said the liquor cabinets and and we just don't know how they would be thinking about getting into some of those things. I do want to say that if somebody wants to write in and if you want to write to me and I can give a message to Tracy also and just write to talk with Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L-G at gmail.com. And I did want to say that if you would like to be a friend of mine, go and look at the LinkedIn. And I have a lot of ways that you can uh, connect with me on there. And I, I love being able to find the people that I've talked to and have Actually, I got to go to San Diego just about three weeks ago, Tracy, and I got to meet a lot of people I'd had on the air as guests on here that I'd never met before that had been on here. But I do want to say that I am uh, I have some blogs and I have some other programs that if you strug- you are struggling with maybe some caregiving issues, and especially if it's related to caring for a special needs child, and you want to connect with me, and I have coaching, and I have group coaching, and it helps people to know I'm not by myself. Other people are struggling with some of the issues, and although they're different from what we've talked about tonight, they're true issues for parents that have children that they're caring for, and if we don't talk about some of these, we we already know that there's so many things that are weighing on family relationships now. And tonight, you know, in between, Tracy said, you know, if you do have a child that does commit suicide, a family, a marriage can hardly hold it together after that. It will probably cause divorce. Well, we know that mm-hmm. 90% of parents that have children with special needs will end in divorce. And for me, I'm trying to say, 
let's talk. Let's see if we can help you work those things out because our kids need both of us. They need us to be yeah. there for them and for us to support them. And our we've planned to have children. And so let's give them the best that we can and try to say, hey, I need help. If you're if you're in need yourself, let's get the help. Let's learn how to understand that men and women think differently and that we grieve differently over some of these problems. And so we misunderstand and think, well, the other one doesn't feel as bad as I do. And it may not be true. So let's just try to think of ways that we can be more supportive of our families, our extended families. And like she was talking about, let's show more kindness to people. We don't know what our kids are dealing with. We don't know what our neighbors are dealing with. We don't know what people are dealing with when they show up at work. And we have workplace violence, but we don't think about things ever happening to us or where we are in our school or whatever. Let's just learn how to live with each other with more concern and more generosity and more forgiveness so that we can truly not have all the regrets when we get to the end of our lives. We're going to say goodnight uh, before long, and I want you to know that you can write us, you can check back with us, and Tracy has done a marvelous job being on here tonight. I appreciate it so much. We look forward to having you Thank with you. us again next week. And for now, we'll say goodnight. You've been listening to Courage to Overcome with your host, Cheryl Jennings. Be it Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, or autism, listen each week for an informative look into the lives of those challenged by these and other disabilities today on the next episode of Cheryl Jennings' Courage to Overcome. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company.